welcome to Let's Talk Church. I'm Brian. And I'm Matt. We're here to talk about all that is going on in the church world. In this podcast, we find blog posts, articles, and vicious rumors about the church world, and we talk about it. All right, Matt, let's do it. Let's talk church. Well, good evening, Brian. How are you doing today? Man, I'm great. I uh, had a good weekend with the kids, and that's uh, that's what matters, right? Hey, that's why we do it all, right? Most definitely. So, well, let's let's just jump right to this article because I've I've got some questions for you, and I I want to I want to get your thoughts on this. So, burn it all. <laughs> right? Um, maybe. Um, I'm gonna this, take my grievances and nail them to the door. I, well, it is it is Reformation Day. Um, so for our listeners that don't know, we generally record this like a week out. So, uh, but tonight's tonight's article is more news related than um, theology application. Some of the things that we've talked about recently, we've been able to to look at more application for. Uh, this one, not so much. It's it's really just a news article. Um, oh, that's from, what you think, huh? Well, I, I have my thoughts on it, but it's it's in the news slash reporting category of Christianity today. So uh, it's it's on the the Holy Land experience. Uh, the title is the Holy Land experience never made it to the financial promised land. So. The Holy Land experience was a, a theme park that was founded in like 2001 in Orlando, Florida, as competition for Disney World. And it took 20 years to fail, which I think is probably uh, positive for that. Um... I don't know what to what to think about about this idea of a a theme park, a Christian theme park specifically, and uh, engineered to compete with Disney World. Well, tell us about it. What did the article say? What sort of things were in this Christian theme theme park? And they had reenactments of the resurrection, uh, scale model of of first century Jerusalem and apparently they had an animatronic John Wycliffe right um, which is an interesting person to choose for animatronics um, so so not really um, not really competition right but they had stuff right um I'm sure that there were some rides and things, but I think the majority of it was intended to be, um, I think they even say at one point, like you're walking into ancient Jerusalem, right? That was, that was kind of the goal was to, to transport you back in time. Which, you, you know, that sounds really cool. Right. Um, you know, millions of dollars a year are spent on missionary tourism. People travel to Israel to go see the Holy Land. 
Um, I was listening to um, another podcast, uh, Unashamed podcast, uh, the Robertsons do, Doug mm-hmm. Dynasty fame. And they were talking about how they went to, um, I guess they were in Athens, uh, where Mars Hill is. Yeah. And how they were there with the Temple of Athena and stuff. And they went down there to Mars Hill, which was not quite as popular. Right. But there were some people there. And uh, they were talking about their experience visiting Mars Hill. And it, it reminded me of people who go and see the Holy Land stuff. Not that Mars Hill is exactly the Holy Land, but it, it's, it's a place that was visited there by Paul and things. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people who go and see, you know, where the temple was. They go and see Golgotha and those different things. Um, they go see the Dead Sea and, and stuff. And a lot of money is spent on that. So I can yeah, see it, how it'd be possible there'd be people who'd want to go to a theme park that might discuss those sort of things, you know? Right. And and there's there's nothing wrong with taking a trip to the Holy Land as a pilgrimage to go and find a deeper connection to your faith, right? There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with rebuilding some of these kind of things elsewhere to make it easier for people to go and try to make that connection. Yeah. Something like this probably would have done really, really, really well in, I'm just going to pick a random place, you know, um, Searcy, Arkansas. Well, you know, Searcy might as well go to Branson. (laughs) Well, but see, then you've got you've got the competition with Silver Dollar City and everything else that's going on there, right? Mm-hmm. So, I think a part of of the problem here was they they attempted to compete with the world, right? Both literally and phys- phys- figuratively, because they were competing with Walt Disney World, but they were competing with the world to entertain people with Christianity, right? Whereas had they been somewhere where that competition was not there, where it was purely a, a pilgrimage, right? Uh, They probably would have done fairly well, right? They wouldn't have had the outrageous operating deficits that they had. Um, wouldn't have had to raise their prices nearly as much or nearly as often. Um, but, I, you know, it's it's still, it's it's just a, such a strange thing. You know, they, they pop up all over the U.S., all over the world, these uh, Christian getaways, right? I mean, you've got the Ark Encounter, you've got... Um, there was a guy that I used to work for many, many, many years ago that he opened a Christian thing similar to this, not not quite to this extent in St. Louis. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're always popping up, but they never seem to last. And I don't know why. Well... I think I know why, but I want to get to that question here shortly. <laughs> what do you think? Would you take your kids to something like this? I, 
I would do some digging first and yeah, I mean, they'd, they'd probably get to go and, and see such a thing. Although I'd rather take them directly to Israel or Greece or Rome. True, but you know, the cost difference is huge, right? right? Absolutely. So there's some history involved. The article goes and explains that the, the park was originally started by Marvin Rosenthal. It's important to know that he was a Jewish convert and he, and then he later became a Baptist minister. Um, and the reason that's important is the Jewish Defamation League, a extremely liberal organization, um, the head of the league at the time compared it to the Holocaust. Um, yeah, which is strange comparison. Yeah, here's what the guy said. This guy, the guy's name was Irv Rubin. He was the chair of the Jewish De- the Jewish Defense League. Excuse me, not defamation. Jewish Defense League. Said compare the theme park to the Holocaust. He said, "Quote: There are two ways you can murder Jews." He told the media, "Physically, like Auschwitz, or spiritually, like the way of Marvin Rosenthal." Because he believed that this park was con- was 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 made to help convert Jews into Christian into Christians. And there's probably some truth to that because that was the guy's mission. Um, he he himself was converted, and he believed other people should be converted. Christianity was the right way. Um, but it should be noted that this Irv Rubin guy was shortly arrested, arrested shortly after on charges that he tried to bomb a mosque in California and a U.S. congressman. Um, so obviously this guy was some kind of a terrorist. He ended up dying by suicide in jail awaiting those charges. So, you know, that started off on such a bad foot right there. Yeah. And then uh, the article goes on and talks about there were some some things about taxes. They were trying to say this should be a, uh, you know, it's a religious thing. It should be a nonprofit theme park thing. So they weren't trying to make a profit per se, but you need to at least turn enough to keep going without having to have more money put in, right? Mm-hmm. And they went back and forth with the state on that, and the state basically said because they're a theme park, they couldn't be religious nonprofit. That seems to be a weird argument. And it wasn't until Jeb Bush stepped in and helped them get a law passed with the, with the rest of the state government um, that made an exemption for theme parks that displayed biblical manuscripts and waived admission at least one day a year. So they right. bought a biblical manuscript, um, a replica of the Gutenberg Bible, and then started having free admission one or two days a year. So they could be taxes in. But even that, which saved them 160000 a year, they were still losing money. And then basically they lost money, lost money. And from there, you could say they were losing money because they were competing with Disney. You could say they were losing money because they were ran badly. So they were losing money because of the subject. But we really don't know. Right. And then it looks like TBN bought them. Mm-hmm. Paul and Jan Crouch bought them. And they tried and tried. And they still kept losing money. And they're no longer around. And basically several big donors pumped money into this over the years. It never made money. They just right. kept ma- pumping money in until finally they sold off the land. Um, not all businesses make money. Like most people don't know that Uber has never turned a profit. Right. They're a large publicly traded company. A lot of people invested in Uber for a long time. But they have never turned a profit and have no expectation of turning a profit. So because of that, Uber has to continuously seek new funding. Isn't that crazy? 
yeah. To run a business where you have to continuously seek new funding. But, you know, most churches are not operating at a profit. They have to continuously seek new funding. Right. Now, Uber is not a church, but I'm just saying that is a business model in a way. And that's the way this was ran. They kept to continue to seek funding. And that's part of the deal. Is this a business, in which case they should have been taxed, or was this a ministry? Well, financially, it seems like a ministry because they kept having to seek new funding. But when does the ends justify the mean to put that much money into something? Right. Exactly. Um, I would not probably take my kid to this thing. Not because I hate it per se, but I'm guessing it's going to be cheesy and probably uninteresting. And then when they get something wrong, it's going to personally bother me. Right. Yeah. Um, And just ruin my whole experience with the thing. And, you know, the mouse is right down the road. Maybe he's 10 times the cost, but he's right down the road. Um, and that's yeah. kind of like one of the quintessential American things to do. Go to Walt Disney World or Walt Disneyland, you know? Oh, I sure hope not. I hope that doesn't, I hope that's not quintessential. I can't afford that. Have, uh, have you never <laughs> been? Nope. I have not either, but my nope. wife has led her band down the streets at Epcot. Mm, nope. I have no interest in it and having to pay for four kids would bankrupt me. Uh, I'd like to go. The most expensive RV park in the country is Camp Frontier at Disney World in Florida. Right, right. Now, while it is the most expensive, it's also the nicest by far. Some benefits of Camp Frontier, besides extremely nice campsites, is um, they have built-in, they have several restaurants and things there and a bunch of activities you can do right there in the camp. And then they have ferry rides directly into Walt Disney World, so you can avoid all the parking brouhaha. That that is nice. Yeah. So there's some benefits to that. I want to say it's $150, $200, $250 a night or something, which is maybe a little more than that. But it's expensive right. you know, yeah. compared to other RV parks. But compared to the hotels and stuff and compared to the parking and all that, it's actually not a bad deal. So I'd like to go to Camp Frontier one day. So let me ask you this. This article, you know, going back to competition with, with Disney World, right? Um, it is, I mean, the, the article clear, clearly states that this 14-acre park was conceived was once conceived as Christian competition for Walt, Walt Disney World. Do you think... Do you think it is necessary for Christians of all walks, right, to create a subculture within the culture to separate themselves? Of this world, not in this world, right? Or in this world, not of this world. Right. You know, it's such a fine line. You want to be different as a Christian. But you don't want to be weird, right? Right. I think some things it's important to be weird of. I think it's important to stand up for what's right. It's important to not sin because it's just because it's part of the culture. 
Um, on the other hand, I don't feel like you have to add a Christian spin to every little thing. And I feel like that hurts Christianity. It hurts recruiting other people into team Jesus. If they think that it's really all about the way you act and do so that you're different. No. Um, and in Sunday school this morning, or we're supposed to call it something else, life groups or small <laughs> groups or whatever they call it in Sunday school this morning, we had a teacher We're rotating through some teachers right now. And he was talking about an episode of the Simpsons. And then he had to bring up that, you know, a lot of Christians wouldn't watch the Simpsons. Right. But I don't think that's right either. And I think a lot of Christians do anyway. And he was talking about the Flanders and how the Simpson kids were playing with the Flanders kids, Ned Flanders next door, who they're portrayed as hyper-religious Christians. You know, they were playing Bible trivia. And every time you got something right, you got a sticker. And they, they started it, and then they cut to the end of the game, and the, the Flanders kids are just covered from head to toe in stickers like they're wild childs, you know? And the Simpson kids don't have any stickers at all because they don't know any of the answers to the Bible trivia. And he was talking about when he was in school, they were they had watched that episode, and they were talking about it with their friends at school, and people were like, who plays games like that? And they raised their hands. Yeah, they play him and his brother because their dad was a preacher, and that was a game they actually played at home, you know? It's that culture difference. I think we're, we're expected to have some culture difference, but we can cross over. And that was making fun of that crossover of being too much. Like right. a lot of things, uh, things that are bad for us are not often bad for us in small things. It's, it's moderation is good. It's when we do excess, good things in excess turn out to be bad things. So it's good for us to hold ourselves to a higher standard. It's good for us to behave differently because we are Christian. It's bad for us when we take it full excess and we're not just avoiding sin and honoring God, but we're um, trying to be completely separated. Yeah, that there's, there is that line there of isolation. You know, um, there are some Christian groups that, seek to completely isolate themselves from the world, which inevitably leads to decline within that organization, within that group, because they're not out uh, drawing more people in. Mm -hmm. And so creating this subculture to say, we don't want to be a part of any of that, Right, So we're going to go and create our own music, our own TV shows, our own movies, our own theme parks, our own whatever. How much of that is isolationism versus how much of it is we want a safe place that we can go, that we can build up our own spiritual lives? And well, and you know, we have those cheesy movies and then we have the good movies, right? Right. So something like this, especially because it was conceived as competing with the largest theme park in the world, <laughs> um, it, it almost seems, and you said it earlier, why would, would Christians pour 
millions and millions and millions of dollars into something that is destined to fail. If you run it as a business, it's destined to fail. If you run it as a ministry, there's a chance. But it takes work and it takes people getting behind it. Well, it should be noted that people did try. When TBN bought it, the article goes on and talks about how they they cut expenses as much as they could. They outsourced some expensive parts of the cleaning and the landscaping and stuff. And they increased the visitors at first by 25%. Freshened up some of the attractions, added some new ones. You know, they really, they tried to put more into it. You know, maybe the first guy just was bad at this business, right? So they really tried. Right. Now, they yep. didn't have experience okay. with this business either. But it still failed. I don't know. I hate to, to play, you know, Monday morning uh, quarterback. Yeah. You know, I don't really know exactly why it failed. But I will tell you, it sounds like a cheesy thing. A lot of these do. Now, I will tell you, I kind of want to go see the Ark Encounter. But I have a feeling I'll be upset after I see it, you know? Yeah, that's that that'll be an interesting one. I guess if if our family ever makes it out that way, it'd be worth something. It'd be something we would probably do, but probably not something that we'll make a special trip for. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the problem right there. People who are making a special trip to Orlando are going to Disney World. Right. Like you said, if you put it somewhere else, Cersei is an interesting thing. I'm assuming you know just, that Cersei for a long time was known as a hyper-religious place, right? Yes. Yeah, I just picked a city. It was a small, out-of-the-way city that didn't have anything else around other than colleges. It's just interesting that you would pick Cersei. Uh, two days every other week there. So. Oh, did um, you? Did you work in Cersei or something? Oh, yeah. 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 Not in a church. Right. But yes, I forgot you did work in Cersei. Yeah. The population of the city is 23,000. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Which that doesn't include the two massive schools there. Uh, right. So during the school year, it's more like almost two and a half times that. But. You know, it's it's far enough away from things that it would be a a spot that something like this would become a destination for. Although, like you said, if it was that cheesy, um, hastily done, from my uh, my perspective, poorly researched, um, whatever the case may be, it would be a destination for somebody one time. And they'd be done. Right. It wouldn't yeah. be just constant. We want to keep going back and experience more. Um, so, I don't know. I, I just feel like, given its history, that, that it probably fell into that category. Because really, when you think about it, the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, there was a huge uptick in Christian subculture. Um, you know, we had the beginnings shortly before of, you know, contemporary Christian music being a thing. We had 
uh, TBN coming on the air. We had all these things to give people a separate place to go. And this falls kind of into that same timeline, very early 2000s. He was probably thinking about it in the 90s. Uh, oh, yeah. And and trying to secure funding and things like that. So, Did you see how he started the funding? Was it in the article? I don't remember. Yeah, so a ministry that he was running sold some land to the state and got oh, that's a right. pretty big profit off of it. So they used that to start this. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, he, he he's not just naturally rich or something. It did say his mom ran a candy store and she started reading the New Testament. He did. And that's when he converted to Christianity. Because he grew up, you know, Jewish. Um, but yeah, I think we've 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 pretty much talked about what what's what on this. So what we didn't cover yet though is what happened to the thing. So we know it closed, right? Right, right. Um, but what happened was they finally sold it. They closed the thing and they sold it for $32 million to a Seventh-day Adventist healthcare company called Advent Health. And they haven't said yet what they're going to do with the place, or whether they're going to open it up or not. But they did say, quote, we'll make a significant investment in redeveloping the property to bring enhanced health care services to the community. So there's one burning question I have, and I'm betting you do too. Do you know what that question is? Not offhand, no. I want to know what happened to the $80,000 animatronic John Wycliffe. <laughs> oh, dear. I want to know what he says. I'd like to see this. And yeah. why Why did they not choose to go with an animatronic Spurgeon? Spurgeon? or There's a whole bunch of people that would come to mind faster than Wycliffe. Um, yeah. I'm sure that there is probably a Bible history museum that's going to, that's going to wind up with it. Um, maybe, or else it'll just get thrown off into, uh, into the junk heap. I I hadn't thought about that. What's happening with with a lot of this stuff? I should have I should have googled this ahead of time. Let me Google this real quick. Right, I'm animatronic sure that, Bible translator John Wycliffe. I, I'm sure that the uh, the Gutenberg Bible and um, well, probably just the Gutenberg Bible is gonna land in a museum somewhere. I mean, it is a Gutenberg. They generally land in museums. But it, yeah, it it's still just, I don't know. I, I, I fall into that weird category of people that uh, sometimes I enjoy the, the Christian subculture as a getaway, but most of the time it just bugs me. <laughs> because so much of it feels like escapism. Escapism. What do you mean? Yeah. Uh, like just a 
get away from the world and, and isolate oneself. Um, and, you know, an extreme example of that is the Amish people, right? Right, exactly. That's what I was thinking of earlier was, was the Amish or even the, the Latter-day Saints. They, they do quite a bit of the same, although they've picked up missionary work quite a bit. The Church of Jesus Christ and the Latter-day Saints? Yes. Also known as the Mormons. They're very they're very mission-oriented, but still very secretive as to their own culture and things that go on there. I'm in the camp. I wouldn't even classify them as a Christian denomination at all. I I agree with that, but that's that's next week's topic. <laughs> That's next week's topic. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll start us a new podcast talking about uh, offshoots and odd groups and things. That would be a lot of fun. Hey, I'm write us a comment. That. Send us a, send us a message and say if you want us to go through those. Uh, yes, you know I have extensive knowledge of cults. I do. I know you. I'm do. not calling the Mormons a cult per se. Right. By a lot of definitions, but I definitely would not call them a, a, a Christian denomination. I realize right. there are some good Mormons who would disagree, but okay. I agree. Um, so, okay. Well, this sounds like a good point to end this. Do you have any yeah. final thoughts? Uh, no, I, I think um, I think everything that I've said is um, kind of my thoughts. Just... Um, it's an interesting, interesting topic. I, I suggest everybody go and read it, uh, read it for themselves and kind of see what's going on out there. So my final thought on this is um, for our dear listeners, we're talking about this theme park here and it theme park, you know, was built to illustrate biblical concepts, talk about the Holy land, things like that. I, I, I want to offer you a challenge. This is the preacher side of me talking uh -oh. here. But I want to offer you a challenge. Find a way in your daily life to talk about these subjects with people around you. Find a way to bring it up, but not in some cheesy way. Talk about this with your friends, with your family, with your children. I bet you can be much more effective in this theme park in 10 minutes with somebody in your daily life. So I challenge you this week to find, find some way to bring up and talk about how it was back in Jesus's time to talk about some of the Bible stories, you know, of in the Bible, um, the most important uh, thing we can do is to keep that alive. Remember the Bible for a long time was passed down by oral tradition. And it's important that we keep talking about these things. So I challenge you to do that throughout the, the this week.